got a reading to start with, and it's Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 14. So Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We have been united with him like this in his death. We will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. May God add his own blessing to the reading of his word. I have to say, in all humility, that I am one of the holiest people here today. We've had holiness up to here, haven't we? And I really am very, very holy. I'm as holy as a Swiss cheese. We are all in a hole. All of us are holy. Romans tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all holy. There's different sorts of holes. There's this sort of hole, a sinkhole, where you wake up in the morning and you find that there's a large hole in the bottom of your garden. And it's not your fault. But you can still find yourself in a hole. 
there was a group of school children who found themselves in rather a large hole recently. <laughs> Works. Now, was it their fault? No. Bit of a debate there, isn't there? Whose fault was it? Should they have gone exploring? Should the coach not have let them go in there? I'm sure all that debate is happening even as we speak. Well, we thank God that they were rescued safely with the courage of others and the love and the dedication of fellow human beings. But they were literally in a hole, weren't they? And then there's the kind of hole that we find ourselves in because of our own grievous fault. It works. <laughs> in the old days, you had a little frog that you clicked. Do you remember? For the next slide. But the remote control doesn't reach to the back from here yet. I'm all for the theology of Winnie the Pooh. You can't go Winnie the Pooh, can you? Now, how do you see Winnie the Pooh? Do you see him as a cuddly, basically good bear? Yeah. He's not like Eeyore, is he? Who here identifies with Eeyore? <laughs> this one honest person who identifies themselves with Tigger. Oh, you're Tigger. Well, I probably have, uh, I'm more of a Winnie the Pooh sort of person. You see, I don't mean in a hole, but I often find myself in one. Let me quote. I'm sure, will you indulge me? Um, where is it? I'll find it in a minute. I've lost it. Wait, I, I had it earlier, so I quoted it. There we are. Well, Pooh is visiting Rabbit. And Pooh always liked a little something at 11 o'clock in the morning. And he was glad to see Rabbit getting out the plates and mugs. Honey or condensed milk with your bread, said Rabbit. Pooh was so excited that he said both. And then, not to seem greedy, he added, but don't bother out the bread. And after a long time, after that, he said nothing. Until at last, humming to himself in a rather sticky voice, he got up, shook Rabbit's paw, and said he must be going. Must you, said Rabbit. Well, would you like some more? Is there any more? asked Pooh quickly. No, there isn't, said Rabbit. Thought not, said Pooh. Well, I must be going. So he started to climb out of the hole. He pulled with his front paws and pushed with his back paws. And in a little while, his nose was in the open again. Oh, help, said Pooh. I'd better go back. Oh, bother, said Pooh. I have to go on. I can't do either, said Pooh. Oh, help and bother. You're stuck, aren't you, said Rabbit. It all comes, said Pooh crossly, of not having a front door that's big enough. It comes, said Rabbit sternly, 
of eating too much. I thought so at the time. Only I didn't like to say anything, said Rabbit. Not one of us was eating too much, and I knew it wasn't me. I don't know whether you identify with that. that you, and Paul certainly does in his letter. He says, I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. I don't want to do them. I know I shouldn't be doing them. And yet I find myself doing them. And he says, who's going to get me out of this hole? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are all in holes, aren't we? The Bible tells us that if we say we're not in a hole, then we're a liar. We like to have a foot in both camps very often, don't we? We like to lead the life we like, and we like to think that we're leading the life that God wants. But sometimes the two are incompatible. Many years ago, I was preaching on Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips living amongst a people of unclean lips. And I was preaching in a theological college in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. And it was the middle of the dry season, a bit like this, except a bit hotter. And there weren't any walls, and they were open at the side. And I was here, and suddenly, as I read that passage from Isaiah 6, there was a huge gust of wind that tore through the building, and the papers and the Bibles went everywhere. And there was enormous crash of thunder, and the heavens opened. Well, for them, in the dry season, that was a very clear sign of God's presence. And the remarkable thing that happened was, all these African pastors who were there, because it was a seminar for pastors who'd come in from the villages, they suddenly produced from their pockets and bags all these lucky charms, fell on their knees, some of them in sheer terror, and brought those things up to the holy table, to the altar, and confessed that they had a foot in both camps. They were Christian ministers, but just in case, we'll keep something of the old ways. It was quite remarkable. But aren't we like that sometimes, if we're honest, that we are holy because we're full of holes and we're not pure. We're not as God wants us to be. And inside, all of us, find ourselves thinking and doing things that are not pleasing to God. It hurts him. The Lord said in Joshua 24, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion or your sins. God cannot tolerate sinners. He cannot tolerate people who are full of holes. But you will say then, well, 
I thought God was a God of love. Ah. God is holy, and you cannot mix oil and water. You cannot mix pureness, pure goodness and pure love and pure holiness with grubby mortals like me. I am not acceptable to God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because although we are holy and full of holes, we are made holy. We are made whole. God wants to make us whole. He made us to love us. He made us for his pleasure and his delight. He made us to be acceptable to him so that we can live in community, communion with him. Jesus said, be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. How can that happen? God wants us to be whole. And the word for whole in the New Testament is shalom. And it can mean a variety of things. There's no such word in the English language. Well-being, completeness, prosperity, health, harmony with God and others, safety, and peace. Harmony with God. And that is what God wants for us. He tried the law. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans. He tried to give us a set of rules. But we cannot keep those rules. We simply can't. I'm not saying we all go around murdering people. But we covet. We lie. We don't put God first. We don't put others before ourselves. We do all kinds of things that break God's Ten Commandments. And we do it every day. And I don't hope or just in well with the Archbishop of Canterbury. We all break the rules. But God wants to make us whole. So he sent Jesus. He wants us to be in that state of being unbroken or undamaged. There's that lovely story in the New Testament about the ten lepers who come to Jesus. And one comes back, and Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. The prophet Isaiah reminds us that by God's wounds, we are healed. We are made whole in body, mind, and spirit. That's God's ideal for us, to be whole in body, mind, and spirit. That's what God wants for me, and that's what God wants for each one of you. And that is a process. God wants to look on Jesus and pardon me, as we sing in that song. He made him... He himself, we read in 1 Peter, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin 
and live for righteousness. So Paul, when he says in the beginning of that chapter, let us sin that grace may abound, is very tempting, isn't it? We could go out from here and get a jolly good week of sin again. And then we can come back here on Sunday and we can say, I'm sorry. And God says, it's all right, I'll forgive you. Well, isn't that right? God will forgive us. Of course he will. But what sort of a relationship is that? We didn't, wouldn't do that within our human relationships, would we? Of course we upset people that we love. And we get it wrong. And we're holy. But we don't deliberately, every day, go out of our way to accept the person that we love. Because we wouldn't love them, would we? We would despise them. We would hate them. We would look down on them. But we wouldn't love them. So when you love someone, you don't want to hurt them. Of course we do hurt them. And we're desperately sorry about that, aren't we? And then Paul says, For if we have been united with Jesus in his death, in a death like us, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So on a physical level, the best way to stop somebody sinning is to kill them. Because when you're dead, you can't sin. That's what Paul is saying. And he's likening it, if we are incorporated with Christ, if we say yes to Jesus, then we, as it were, have died to the old way of life. And we have been given a new life. And so we have died to sin, and our new life... We live to please God, to righteousness. Just as Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Keep on sinning that grace may abound. No, I don't think so. Charles Spurgeon said, There must be a divorce between you and sin, or there can be no marriage between you and Christ. And as the old chorus goes, there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There is a door that is open, and you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin. Can we have the cross, please? As you come as a sinner to Jesus. God wants us to be made whole. He wants us to bring our sin, our troubles, our woes, our sicknesses, our strife to him and ask to be made whole. And this is a gradual process. Sometimes it can happen all at once. We're going to have some prayer ministry after this talk. And sometimes God as it were, like I've been doing to Josie. I'm not being rude. No. 
works a miracle. And lives are changed. And we become on that process of becoming holy. And it's a process that takes time sometimes. Paul in Corinthians says, Then we, sh- we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know as I am fully known. It's all blurred at the moment. But it's there. God wants us to be clear and made whole. As we become holy, we become more like Jesus. And we become holy through the work of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, holy is a word to describe Jesus. In the Epistles and the Acts of the Apostles, holy is always, 99% of the time, attached to the word spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit that the work of us being made holy goes on. In 1 John we read, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known. But when we know but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. That time is coming when the holes will be filled in. The holes will be forgiven. We will be made whole and we would be made holy. Because when God looks on us, who does he see? He sees his beloved son, Jesus. Because we are adopted as children of God. And we are made completely holy. And that's how we can go into God's presence. Because we are made holy through what Jesus has done. In this life, it's a, it's a process. And sometimes we manage it. And sometimes we backslide. A bit like the children of Israel. All the way through. They tried, they failed. They tried it harder, they failed. But in Jesus, our place is secure. Because we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And God does not go back on his word. For if we have been united with him in in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We sang a hymn at nine o'clock this morning. Love divine, all love's excelling. And the last verse is this. Finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotless, let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. So to recap, we are all holy. God in Jesus makes us whole. We are transformed by the Holy Spirit 
so that we become holy with the promise that we, along with the whole of God's creation, will be made new. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to invite you now to stay where you are, quietly. And Hannah's going to come. There are three... Can we leave that, leave that up, can we, Josie? Just for a second, please. There are three aspects there, aren't they, that we need to be asking God about. And let's go through those. The first is confession. Lord God, we come to you as people who are full of holes. As people who are in need of your forgiveness. As people who have got it wrong and keep getting it wrong. And sometimes we don't think it's our fault. But most of the time it is. And we try and fool ourselves that we're not that bad. Lord God, we come to you now and we pray for your forgiveness. Come now by the power of your Spirit and may we know your forgiveness. May you fill our holes in. We come to your cross and leave those things at that place. Things that we know about you know about well, Lord we don't want to carry them around all the time they're burdensome to us they're heavy they cause us pain on those around us and you want us to be free from them so you reach down from the cross and you say give them to me now so we give those things to you now Lord Jesus take them from us because you alone can get us out of the hole you alone can set us free and Lord you want us to be whole in body, mind and spirit and we pray now Lord that by your spirit you will come and speak to our souls Speak to our bodies and our minds. Bring healing. Bring wholeness. Bring your shalom, your peace. And Father, we want to be assured that our future is safe with you. And that no matter what this world throws at us, what ills may become us, or misfortunes befall us, we cannot lose because we are safe in the Father's hand. We are adopted as your children. We are set free. And we will be made like you. So, Lord God, in the meantime, would your Holy Spirit work in our lives to make us more holy and more like Jesus.